and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Narcissist podcast. I'm your host, the Mindful Narcissist, and this is my first episode. I'm recording once again, as per usual, the morning of because I'm back in Ireland and because when I was in Fresno, I was scheduling them the night before to go up at 5 a.m. California time so that I could stick to my usual 1 p.m. Irish time publishing of the episode. Anyway, I love being able to procrastinate. It's great. I was home for about a month and a half in California. Just got back the other week. It was a lot of fun. It was the longest concentrated amount of time I've spent at home since I moved out seven years ago. And I wasn't sure if we'd all drive each other crazy or not, but it was actually just really pretty great. I spent a whole lot of time, like the majority of my time with my sisters. Growing up, we were always best friends, but I feel like in the last year, they've really become their own people. Like they've come into themselves and now they're all fully adults. I feel like I can count my sisters among my soulmates. For more on my ideas about soulmates and relationship hierarchies, etc., see episode 8, Portrait of a Soulmate. But long story short, I don't think I have only one soulmate. None of my soulmates that I've found thus far would ever be romantic partners, but any and all of them feel like life partners. Like I could happily live with my sisters for the rest of my life, I'm pretty sure. I didn't get tired of being around them at all the whole time I was home, and I'm someone who really, really likes my alone time. I was hardly alone the entire time. I almost always had at least one of them with me, but it didn't feel draining. Like I felt like I was getting just as much recharging when I was still with them as I usually need to be alone to get. And I think that's one of my signifiers for a soulmate is being able to have that kind of feeling with them where being with them is as wonderful and recharging as being alone. One of my friends said that watching me and my sisters interacting and spending time together via you know, my Instagram stories and posts felt just like watching us at play, like the same way we would have played fairies and Barbies when we were younger, just the adult version. And like, that's what it felt like. So much of our spending time together, it just felt like play. A lot of being home felt like play, actually, which brings us to the main point of this episode. I think being home gave me a lot of insight into what I've identified as an important shift in my artistic practice right now. And it came from reverting to childhood, which normally isn't a great thing that happens when you go stay in your childhood home, that whole regression to your childhood mindsets, habits. But this time around, it was kind of a game changer. I haven't been able to quite articulate it right, so this episode is going to be me fumbling through figuring that out. Or maybe just having a very articulate moment of clarity. We shall see. But I think the thing, the going back to childhood bit that I was able to really embrace this trip was being able to play. Play in art has always been really, really hard for me. I'm constantly having to learn how to do it. And every time I say that I think I've learned how to play, I I haven't. I don't let myself experiment or do anything that's not going to result in a final product, a finished piece. It feels like a waste of materials, especially now that like... I don't have a studio to make a mess in. I don't like having unfinished pieces or experiments lying around just because of space and organization. It stresses me out. But I also don't like throwing things away. Like there's there's a million reasons I'm no good at play in my work in general. And in grad school, I, I must have said again about a dozen times that I felt like I was finally learning how to play. But I don't think that was actually possible with the headspace I was in at that time. During lockdown, the first one, when I started making these lockdown spell pieces where I was having fun experimenting with different natural pigments, I felt like a witch at the stove, boiling the spices and vegetables to see what colors I could get. That felt like the beginning of something like play. But when I was home, it started because I was just doing all these crafts. Like I made a ring tray for my sister's engagement ring. I, you know, we made these posters, these goofy little posters to welcome my sister back at the airport. And a few other crafty things that are escaping me right now. But the point is that I was doing things that aren't considered 
quote unquote fine art. And I was having more fun than I'd had doing anything I'd consider a part of my fine arts practice, my visual arts practice. More fun in, than I'd had in ages. And there was more ease. And after I'd done enough of that crafty stuff, you know, stuff I'd consider more like silly little things, I was actually able to bring that attitude into pieces that were more similar to the work I'd usually make as a part of my practice. I was experimenting with drawing flowers. I don't usually draw representational things because I'm not very good at it. Or I tell myself I'm not very good at it. Really, I just have no interest in drawing things photorealistically, and I've never taken the time to properly learn how to use shadows and highlights and perspective and important things like that, which I eventually, I think I will be in the proper mindset to take a course. But I can draw. I just have my own style that's not very technically refined, but that I still like aesthetically. And that's something else big that shifted for me. I can say that I still like my drawings even though they're not technically perfect. And maybe, you know, again, someday I'll probably go through the effort to learn how to make them more so. For now, I really just can't be arsed and I'm happy enough without that skill. But I was drawing these flowers and then I did this fun piece that was a collaboration between my little brother and his favorite snail and myself. I boiled up a ton of cabbage to get this lovely, like purpley blue pigment that we used kind of like watercolor and had the snail slide around in it on the paper and drag the pigment around with its slime. So that was the background, and then I drew some snails on top of it and got my brother to draw a few snails as well, because snails are his thing. So his drawings were very anatomically correct, but he admitted that even though his were more right, mine looked nicer. But I had so much fun drawing that piece that I just started drawing all these cute little custom snails for a ton of my friends, just for free, sending them out. And I was just, I was having so much fun. When was the last time that making art was really truly fun for me? Like, I do have a lot of fun when I'm sculpting and getting my hands dirty and, like, diving into that kind of process, but drawing is not usually fun for me. I love my tiny circles, and they serve a really valuable purpose for me in terms of art making and mindfulness, but they're not fun, usually. And this was fun. I was having fun, and I want to keep having fun. The tiny circles won't go away because they're part of me they can't go away but i think my priorities in art making are shifting for now at least so this is my attempt to articulate what felt like a breakthrough in my practice that i really realized because of the snails and that shift being in my priorities in the kind of art i want to be making i want to be making art that is fun for me right now that probably won't look like quote unquote fine art the stuff I went to school for, the stuff I studied for so long. It won't be the stuff that I wrote a fancy dissertation for. It won't look like the stuff that I work with and show in the gallery when I'm curating, but it's going to make me happy and it'll be fun to make and to look at. Maybe sometimes it'll just be cute and that, that'll be as deep as it gets. I think I'm going to keep drawing a lot of snails for a while. I'm not done with them. I prepped 20 small sheets with the remainder of the cabbage pigment to use for little postcard sized snail drawings. There are many snails to come and I'm so excited about them. I also want to work collaboratively more. I loved creating that piece with my brother. That felt so connected and so meaningful and beautiful. And I just, I want to collaborate more. Collaborate, I mean, using that very loosely. Like if I were to work on a commission for somebody, I would consider that a collaboration because we'd, making, we'd be making the decisions together even though I'd be the one carrying them out. 
or like the shows that I'm curating right now, that they very much have a collaborative element between curator, audience, artist. I want everything to feel like an exchange, like an opportunity for connection and exchange. And I want to stop thinking about money. Like, money is the worst. I know it's not, and that that's not the right attitude to have about it, but I hate it. I hate that I'm supposed to price things, my art, my services, based on how much of it I need to survive. I just, I'm holding out for that universal basic income. Pricing pieces and pushing to sell art is such a bummer for me. It makes me deeply upset and hurts my soul because I think there's this push to not undervalue your art, to not undervalue yourself and your skills. But I, like, I think I just don't care. I don't think my piece being cheap undervalues it or me because the value of the piece in my eyes really comes just when it's with someone that cares about it. And there are people who connect with various pieces of mine who don't live on a fancy art buying budget, but I want them to have it. I don't care what they pay. If they're going to love and connect with that piece, I want them to have it. I think I'm probably going to make some big changes in how I sell my art as well based on this idea. So I want to have fun. I want to collaborate and I want to sell my pieces to the people that will love them, whatever price that needs to be for them. How does that tie into way that I talk about my practice like before versus now? I don't think it changes it too much. Like I would always say, my practice is about looking at the way we create meaning through storytelling and ritual. And I still think that fits, that's an accurate description. But I think finally I'm getting to the storytelling bit a bit better. Storytelling to me means communication and connection. And I think the work that will come from having fun and from collaborating with people is much more conducive to that goal. Storytelling has always been the weakest element of my visual arts practice, I think. It's strong in my day-to-day life because I'm just, I am a storyteller. And I'm slowly working on my next cohesive body of work, which is going to be about connection. And it has a lot of written work because that was the best way I felt like I could actually have storytelling in clear communication. And that's a big reason why I started this podcast, because it's such a clear way to explore the storytelling aspects of my practice. And it's also, you know, with the guest episodes, it's about collaboration. I think conversation is a really lovely way to get in touch with storytelling and connection. But I think this element of fun, of collaboration, of kind of taking money out of it could be the thing that finally brings it all together. I don't know. And I recently have been talking about how I think I'm going to start a zine in connection with kind of with this podcast, but also with, you know, my visual arts practice and also kind of just the stuff that I like to talk about on Instagram. And there's going to be, you know, a very low stakes in terms of creation. Like it's just paper. You can recycle it if you want. You don't have to keep it. You can keep it for as long as you want. But it's going to be a place for play, for to create, you know, a concrete object that's just all about play and experimentation and telling stories and connecting with people. I don't know. Stay tuned. I'm excited about this. It feels important. It feels like it matters. Fun matters. Fun and play matter in a really significant, I think, revolutionary way. Thank you so much for coming along for another chat. You can follow me at Caitlin W for daily mindful narcissist content or at the mindful narcissist if you want an irregular weekly reminder that a new episode has indeed gone up. 
as always, like, share, review, all that good stuff. And my DMs are always open. I will see you next week. Mwah.